following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. And hello and cheers, everyone. You are listening to the Boston Podcast, and I realize now that this is an unfamiliar voice, and you're probably wondering what... In blazes is going on. What the bloody hell is happening to my podcast? Well, as it happens, our, our good uh, mate uh, Dave, the chap called Dave across the pond in Boston at Pod Six One Seven, we've given him the day off in recognition of the baseball match going on in London. You may know the Boston and the New York teams uh, meeting here, I believe, at Wembley. I don't have all the facts, I'll admit, but uh, I am joined by my colleague, a uh, special uh, correspondent who's who's filling in for his U.S. Uh, counterpart, uh, Michael Wolf, and I have Nigel, Nigel uh, I'm going to mispronounce your last name, mate. Uh, trouser Bottoms, is it? No, no, it's, it's, it's Trouser Pants. Trouser Pants. Nigel Van Trouser... No, no, there's no Van. It's just Nigel Trouser Pants. And, uh, Nigel Trouser Pants. Nigel Bernard, Tr- Bernard <laughs> yes. I, am, I am delighted, absolutely delighted to be here to talk to you today you sound a bit truly you truly s- a pleasure you sound downright uh, gobsmacked and why not because it's not every day that we get a a baseball match here in in london or a, as i like to call baseball stupid cricket uh they they've taken our game and done some strange things with it i feel like every other hit is what they call a home run the four bagger as it is and oh, uh, yes. however it's a nice Nice tradition. What do you know about it, Nigel? That you can tell. Do you know anything about these baseball, these oh, baseballers? It's a, wonder, it's a wonderful game. Yes, An absolutely wonderful game. Where the uh, the men wear uniforms that are very natty and tight. Yes, and, um, I noticed they, that. Um, they do, and they throw ball, and if they <laughs> score the yes. run actually means something they did they they simply simply running is is the way you get uh, points on the board and as and i there's no wicket there's no, no wicket no and they've eliminated the wicket from our game and the bats are, are quite different uh no character i would suggest in the bats as compared to uh the, the, our fine cricket bats here but it's a um, bit more rounded a bit more rounded like a bangers and mash and indeed indeed but uh, you, you wouldn't want to eat it it's of course it's made out of wood but there is a lot of tradition, as I understand it. Then, of course, we love tradition here in the UK, and the uh, it's the Boston, I believe, the Boston Red Stockings against the New York Highlanders. Do I have that correct? That is exactly correct. Okay, and um, well done, well done, you. Uh, thank you, Nigel. Uh, it's a pleasure to be immersing one in the U.S. culture. I may even have uh, one of those Red Hots. The it's the the sausage they put in the what do they call them? They put the sausage in the in the bun. Uh, it's, 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 it's somewhat like a blood sausage, right? But a um, bit saltier, perhaps. Yes, yes. Those tosses it's in the U.S. A, uh, yes. Yeah, and, and what and what do we know about uh, the match? Uh, is uh, I understand the New York team is off to a, a strong start. 
Wonderful. Um, they, yes, the the uh, they have a the Goliath of a man, as I understand it. Go ahead, Nigel, please. The uh, the Yankees are yes. apparently in, in uh, first place in their in their field. Uh, they are currently uh, leading their division, uh, well no, ahead of the uh, clearly inferior Red Stockings. Is it? Uh, their lead, I believe, is nearly. Nine yes. games yes. in the standings. It's yes. almost as if they, they, the stockings may get relegated to a, a inferior division in the future. Yes, that um, could they could be playing teams that, that uh, hail from places like Kansas City or St. Louis or some such place. Oh, what a I'm shame. not familiar. That would be an embarrassment. It, a true. Indeed, it's been quite a, a disappointment for the Boston team. Um, I understand the locals there are uh, they're as disappointed as they have ever been in New England, which I find charming that they call it New England as opposed to the real England. Do you know what I mean, Nigel? (laughs) (laughs) I am chuffed to the muff to hear that. (laughs) Well, this is what we do here on this podcast. Uh, Again, you're listening to the Boston podcast, uh, but special London edition in, in recognition of the, the the Red Sox ballers or whatever they happen to be called in the New York Yankees. I should point out they yes, are Nigel. playing. They are not playing at Wembley. It was a good. It was oh. a good uh, uh, supposition. I presume everything is at Wembley. At, um, yeah. I believe it's London Stadium. Okay. Um, and they, which is not a baseball st- uh, field. It's a. We do. We had traditionally either a soccer pitch or perhaps. Uh, they certainly do not understand how to uh, assemble a baseball uh, hexagonal. Is that? I believe it. That's that's what they call it. It's some um, old shape. It's it's shape, nothing. It's exactly. nothing like a football pitch that we're used to. It's it has all kinds of weird bits and bobs within the field itself, uh, and the ball may bounce in ways that are unfamiliar to us. And sometimes even the players on the on the pitch themselves. Pardon me, the field as they call it. Um, and uh, as I understand it, uh, there's a lot of excitement going on. What? Anything else you know about what's going on? At, I do know. On, I was speaking yes. to uh, an American counterpart of mine, and they mm-hmm. mentioned that uh, the dimensions of the field are a bit unusual, that in center field, which is normally apparently the place that is most difficult to hit a home run. I see. It will be only about 385. They use these feet mm. to determine the distance. It will only be about... 385 feet to center field, and there's some concern that the amount of uh, round trippers mm. will be, uh, not to be confused with the uh, kippers, as I've mentioned, oh, the round delicious. trippers may yes. be a bit more common in occurrence mm. in these two games than on a traditional basis, which um, should make the, uh, the pitchers quite concerned about the ultimate results. Absolutely. Those uh, pitchers will be turning their heads and shouting bollocks to the sky as those baseballers go uh, go oh, round, yes. go, go flying fly, out. Put- yes, mate. I, 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 I find it uh, charming and unusual, this game. Um, this game where they operate with so much moxie and they come up to the plate as i understand the new york team has a giant goliath of a man named george of all things do you know of this man yes yes he's a very important member of the judicial system 
Right. He uh, was, I believe, recently elected to the Supreme Court and had to overcome a sexual scandal before mm. being anointed. And uh, Quite right. the yeah. terms of his appointment required him to play for the Yankees. Uh, to I'm overcome sure the obstacles in getting approval from the Republican Congress. I'm sure you have it right. Similar to our Republican system, uh, our parliamentary system here in the uh, in the UK. Had he not been approved, he he would not have been uh, approved to uh, play on in the baseball match as well. Is that, that the is, way you want? That to... is absolutely correct. They would uh, I think not you have, have it right. Given him, uh, given him a. a uh, passport to uh, travel between the countries so. of course you leave him on the other side of the pond by the way you mentioned the 300 and some odd feet to center field uh i'm wondering how many more decades do the americans need before they pick up the metric system it's truly not that complicated is it nigel they don't you find truly, it amusing they are so cheeky they <laughs> um the blokes over there in, in the States do not understand that the rest of the world is uninterested in their How feet hard is and it? their inches and their 12 miles. Sure, sure. Let, let's measure everything in, in denominations of 12 rather than 10. That seems perfectly logical to me. And uh, I imagine the children have... Uh, just an, uh, an easy time. If you haven't noticed, I'm being Britishly sarcastic. Did you notice that, Nigel? Yes, you sound. It's a good uh, device. It's mildly, um, mildly miffed. It's a good in your, in your tone. It's a. It's a. Do you fancy a cuppa? I. <laughs> uh, if I didn't know better, Nigel, I would say you are putting all of our British expressions on display for our American listeners. As it happens, Nigel, if if you don't. <laughs> If you don't mind, for a moment, I, I need to see a man about a dog. And by that, I mean I need to turn it over uh, by satellite to my American colleague so he can read a sponsorship message for this podcast. Is that all right, Nigel? That's Go fine. Ahead. I'll take you get, this opportunity to uh, to hit the loo. Get yourself a couple, hit the hit, hit loo, and uh, Dave back in Boston, I'll leave it to you. Well, thank you, Bernard, uh, and welcome to the Boston Podcast. Pod617.com is where you find all our past episodes. Thank you for letting London invade this particular episode. Our thanks to the U.S. Postal Service for sponsoring our podcast. It's the second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usps.com backslash careers. From mail carriers to corporate management, the USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service, and the USPS wants to develop and advance careers, so its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is at the website, usps.com. It's the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. The Postal Service seeks to attract and retain a diverse workforce in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility, and fairness so that all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today. Website, once again, usps.com slash careers, United States Postal Service. The United States Postal Service. Deliver for the nation. Thank you to my colleague across the pond, David, at pod617.com, uh, and thank you for letting us invade your podcast, uh, the irony of uh, a Brit invading an American podcast. Uh, we've been allies for so long since you chaps left back in 17-whatever. 
um, we have a special treat for you today to mock. Once again, we're here celebrating the arrival of baseball in London, and uh, I'm with my friend Nigel Trouser Shoes. Oh, did I get you? Did I murder your name again, Nigel? I, oh, apolo- I apologize. Uh, it's it's trouser pants. Trouser pants, um, Nigel trouser pants. Of course, my good friend and uh, an expert in all things sporting, everything from uh, polo to uh, tiddlywinks. And so Nigel has prepared uh, a special list which we are going to deliver. Would you like to explain, Nigel? Well, as Americans may be uh, a bit um, unfamiliar with our uh, sporting achievements here mm. in the, uh, the greater United Kingdom, so we've prepared a list um, that has been celebrated in British press as the 10 greatest moments in, uh, in English sports history. In the history of our, of our great nation and spanning all sport. So at everything from uh, rowing to cricket, I presume. Anything truly, right? Anything in England. Dusk. Okay. From dawn to dusk. From, from dawn to dusk. Sport. The full Monty. Okay, we we have 10. Would you like to begin with number 10 and then we'll alternate? Does that make sense? I'd be delighted. And of course, these will be intimately familiar to uh, to the listening audience. Because who could forget in uh, the year 2000, uh, in the new millennium, when Steve Redgrave happened to win his fifth, fifth Olympic medal. My goodness, Steve. Fifth medal in... in, um, of course, it's rowing. Of course, I mean Steve Roger Redgrave is uh, is well known as one of the finest synonymous in, synonymous in with, with rowing. I remember where I was when he won that fifth uh, gold medal. I was uh, having a pint at the local pub with uh, my auntie and oh. um, uh, wearing particularly tight knickers that day. And I, <laughs> as I became aroused as he won that fifth gold, you cheeky bastard! It occurred to me that. Um, Perhaps I should be wearing looser pants, and um, that did inspire the change of my last name. I was originally Nigel Nickers, and I, I soon became Nigel Trouser Pants, and it's because of Steve Redgrave's. Oh, I, I did not, I, I, I did not realize that. And uh, what to tell though? Right there in the bar, everyone staring at your twig and berries. Hilarious, but at any rate, Redgrave. Uh, I remember, too, seeing it on the telly and uh, everyone simply shouting, Red Graves, done it again. What a man, what a moment. Should we move on to number nine, Nigel? Please, and if okay. you would do the honors. Okay, well, uh, we all, it not a, uh, not a day goes by where I don't fancy watching Menu either on the telly or if I'm so lucky, actually, seeing them out at the stadium, but... Uh, I recall uh, in the year of our queen, 1999, uh, Man U, of course, Manchester United, the football squad, n- snatched the uh, European Cup from the grasp of Bayern Munich. Uh, you remember this, Nigel. I remember you you getting uh, quite shitty that night, quite pissed, if, if I recall. Uh, one oh, of, I was a big fan of uh, Peter Schmeichel. Pete, certainly, Schmeichel. Um, the moment one could not forget when a minute from time and the, the match almost over, Schmeigel ran the length of the pitch for a corner. And in the ensuing confusion, in all the chaos, uh, the other player, his mate Shermingham, swiveled the side foot the equalizer. And there it was. There it was. What a moment for Man U winning the European Cup in 1999. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's mildly incorrect. Uh, that was the tying goal. Oh, right. Of course. I believe... As I said, uh, I was quite pissed at the time. National hero 
and um, truly a sexual dynamo, Mr. David Beckham. Oh. He did like Beckham. Of course. And then someone uh, headed that ball home. <laughs> he may have even stabbed it, his uh, mate, if memory serves. His teammate, yeah. Beckham did it again, uh, much to the delightment of the women across the UK who would really fancy a go with him at any moment, including now. If you, and, in, and certain mates as well, I don't mind admitting, uh, I've had a couple of moments where staring at Mr. Beck, well, at any rate, it's, maybe we should move on. Stay, it's understandable, yes. considering the circumstances. Yes. Uh, shall we move on to number eight? Well, number eight, yes. I'm just going to read it verbatim because it speaks for itself. Of when, course, uh, of course, when Ian Botham hit the Aussies oh. for six in the Ashes in 1981, you oh, recall that, yes, right? Yes, yes. I was uh, just a teen at the time, but yes. Who could forget? Who, who could, could forget? Who could forget? Even if I have no idea what that <laughs> sentence I means. Don't, uh, Bob Botham, national hero, uh, captain, and uh, at 135 for seven in this particular sport, he really <laughs> succeeded in vanquishing his enemy, they called him irrepressible, and he lashed the Aussies, and the match was up. And that's what's happened. <laughs> Who could forget? Who could forget, Nigel? Who could forget? It's almost, it's the equivalent of Reggie Jackson's three home runs oh, in the 19- oh, the three, the three round series. trippers in the world right. to win the title for the New Yorkers. But, yes. you know, that's yes. how lashing the Aussies is just, you, you just can't be beat. I lashed the Aussie last <laughs> night, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> Why don't you go to number oh, seven? Certainly, number seven. You'll remember this well, Nigel, even though you were a wee lad at the time. It, it's an indelible memory to me with Virginia Wade winning, winning pardon me, when Virginia Wade won Wimbledon in, in 77 and uh, with the attention to the game of tennis on the delightful turf in Wimbledon, uh, who saw the possibility of Wade, 32 years of age at the time, wearing her lilac cardigan, which I'm not sure why that is uh, relevant to the story, but it appears in this news report here. She got the trophy from the Queen of course her majesty handing the trophy to the triumphant wade it would be the last time nigel a british player won singles title in wimbledon and which is hard to believe all the Female. fucking all Female. the fucking foreigners uh coming onto our turf at wimbledon but at it least we a, will uh, always have the memory of virginia wade in 77 agreed agreed it was uh the best way i could describe it it was a smoking win as virginia Slims away <laughs> to victory and over ex- Betty Crocker Stone. <laughs> Experiencing puffs of, of victory and the burning sensation that resulted afterwards. There was some chafing involved, as I understand it, but maybe we should move on. Is it my... No, it's, is it your turn, No, Nigel? I believe uh, it's my... It's I your turn, Nigel, for six. sure. Yeah. We'll move uh, over to the equestrian... Um, Moments where I, I recall this vividly as um, racing a tight race in the Grand National in 1977. Red Rum became the only horse in the history of the Grand National to win that race, not once, not twice, but 
Three, three times. times, Nigel. Three times. Unbe unbelievable for that that little filly, uh, Red Rum. Remember him well. Inspired a movie about a murderous man with an axe in a mansion in America, as I understand it. That or perhaps it's the other correct. way around. I'm not sure. But uh, yes, what a what a. Well, the third in the third in his family, of course, the son of Orange Rum, uh, she's sired by Purple Rum, but finally Red Rum comes through in '77. It was a big year in '77 for 1977. Yes, of course. Wonderful, they, wonderful year. Shall we, we move on? on? Number five. Of course, uh, number five. We're in the top five now. Moment. I can feel the excitement. Um, uh, I'm feeling quite knackered myself. I hope I make it to the finish line here, Nigel. I'm just joking, of course. Number five, Lynn Davies sets the British long jump record that lasts 34 years. This comes from 19, the year of our queen, 1968. The year I was born, Nigel, and you as well, I believe. That is correct. Can you believe? So therefore, 50, more than 50 years ago, Lynn, they called her the Leap, of course, because... <laughs> It was a clever nickname. Someone said, what does she do? Well, she leaps. She does long jump. So let's call her the leap. It I would like to point out that brilliant. she must have changed her sexual orientation because, of course, when she set the record, she was a he. Yes. That's just another <laughs> twist to the story. I don't see that here in the report, Nigel. Are you putting me on? No. Are you Lynn, having a go? Lynn, uh, Lynn, is, Lynn is a he. Lynn is a he. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, did I say she? I did. Oh, you did. I did. Several times. I and did. I'm proud of you. Okay. Well, perhaps You're I was totally having a go. It. Perhaps I was having a go at you, Nigel, and you only realized it just now. So, Lynn the Leap You're Davies. A smashed. <laughs> I am a bit pissed, I admit. Um, the, the Guinness is flowing, even though it's only... Uh, uh, 3.30 p.m. here in London. At, at any rate... Um, Lynn, what's an athlete? We won't forget him, nor her, Lynn Davies. <laughs> British long jump record. And take that, Bob Beeman, and you other fucking Americans who think you can jump farther than us. Which, you, of course, yes. they have. They have. But we had um, our moment, didn't we? We did. And yeah. uh, that moment continued in 1966 at the number four spot. We're going to celebrate when Jeff... Uh, Bruce do you Hurst do you have do you have a time do you have a time machine, Nigel? Because you went from sixty eight to sixty six, suggesting that that was a linear progression. Ah, that would be ah. two years earlier. Although it's number good, four in our list. Good point. Yes, uh, but we'll continue. Okay, Jeff, you were uh, telling you were us about Jeff England, Hurst. Uh, England won the World Cup in nineteen sixty six. Of course, which uh, apparently Jeff Hurst was very important. Oh, so, so well done by Hurst. Just a brilliant shot, which completed the hat trick, the third goal of the game, Why of course. Why call him Jeffrey? I believe Jeffrey is a more... He had a, he had a brother named he had a brother named Jeffrey, and then a third uh, brother named Joffrey, and they needed a way to, to tell them apart, didn't they? All I know is that apparently there was a uh, gap-toothed player named Nobby Styles, who what are the odds? is always my favorite. Nobby. Nobby. <laughs> no. Good old Nobby Styles, and who could forget uh, Nobby Styles dancing a jig right there on the Wembley turf? What a moment! Sixty-six. 
Um, had it happened, had it happened, carry on, Nobby. Had it happened today, it would have been what they call a viral video, wouldn't it have been? And perhaps spurned a disco uh, styled jig song or something of that nature. I don't know. I'm not hip with the music these days. At any rate, uh, I believe it's my turn, Nigel, for number three. It is. Just simply three more to go. The ex- I can Carry feel on. the excitement. Yes. Well, uh, of course, in 1963, the American boxer Cassius Clay was all the rage. He would later become to known, become known as Muhammad Mamamli or something of that nature. I'm not exactly sure. I might be mispronouncing it. But Cassius Clay, 1963, came and faced. Henry Cooper, our, our own Henry ah. Henry Cooper at Wembley. You remember, Nigel, although we weren't born yet, but you've seen the tape, I assume. Uh, and could you believe that uh, Cooper's fist simply exploding on the jaw of that brass young Cassius Clay and uh, knocking that uh, dark-skinned fellow back to America? I don't mind saying, Nigel. Perhaps I shouldn't have said that, Nigel. But at any Perhaps rate, not. it's simply a moment in sport, simply a moment in time. It was a different day. I think and, it's, uh, a, uh, it's an encapsulation of the power of British sports history that the number three most important moment was a bout in which the British boxer actually lost. Oh, I had, left, <laughs> I had left that part out, Nigel. I thought I didn't see its pertinence to the, the moment in history. But like, you're right, young losing, young Clay. Creed, yes, Henry Cooper gave it his best, but ultimately failed, and thus British history <laughs> is once again repeated. <laughs> but no doubt that that moment belongs in the top three of our country. Our our, our British boxer almost beating uh, a young Cassius Clay and and bleeding all over the. Bleeding all over the boxing ring, didn't he? As a good Brit would do. Oh, as a good Brit would do. definitely hit its wall, hasn't it? So let's just run through <laughs> let's the Let's wrap up. Two. Let's wrap up. Of course, number two, because cricket is oh, such a let's... familiar sport to me. I can't possibly forget Jim Laker oh. taking 19 of the 20 Australian wickets in our victory in the fourth test at Old Trafford. I remember it well, old Jimmy Laker taking those four hat tricks against the Aussies in 51, 53, and I believe 55 oh, as well. Wickets, Who could forget? The wickets just fell. The constant as falling the, of the wickets. As if they were afraid of him, and they should have been afraid of the brilliant legend, Jim Laker, 1956, and finishing the series with, I believe, 46 wickets. Uh, and... I once had 46 wickets, Nigel, and the doctor prescribed me some antibiotics, and that was taken care of. That's a joke, Nigel. Did you get it? <laughs> Let's move on. Well, it should be obvious. It should be obvious to everyone what the number one uh, moment for the UK and when it comes to sport. And I, is it my turn, Nigel? I, I don't oh, want to. Let's okay. just uh, get this over. Well, of with. course, it's Sir Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute. Sir Roger in 1954 breaking the four-minute mile barrier. Of course, the greatest moment in UK sports would be one where a singular skinny white man runs at a certain pace and then finishes and is quite exhausted afterwards. But nonetheless, a glorious moment. Uh, let's not dwell on the fact that it's not the team sport nor anything that was particularly unexpected but nevertheless Sir Roger Bannister uh, at the time British just a lad before he was knighted legend. right an absolute 
legend of sport. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this tour through our uh, past as much as I have, Nigel. Uh, it will pale in comparison, I say that with great sarcasm, to the match coming up in baseball. Matt, baseball couldn't possibly match the drama that dripped from these moments that we presented to you here today. But nevertheless, we'll be on hand. Are you going to the match, Nigel, to watch the baseball players? No, I uh, will be home counting my own wickets. And <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy some wickets with your... Until, your, until the missus arrives home, all strawberry and creams for you, won't she? Um, I'm not sure, Nigel, um, but uh, I think this will be quite uh, a weekend. Uh, are you, is there a team that you're rooting for, the Boston team or the New York team? Or do you know oh, it's no cap? doubt I'm rooting for the, uh, the, the team from New York. You know, did you uh, know, Nigel, the team that there, is a, there should be a rooting interest for some of us, given that the, oh, the, the, the gentleman who owns the Boston team also owns the Liverpool football team? Ah, and yet the uh, owner of the New York team, I believe, is also the owner a dominant interest in the Manchester team. So I believe it's a British-to-British -British competition after all. Well, I hear that New York fellow is quite the cunt, so no thank you. Stein Brenner. <laughs> the Brenner of Stein. He has the goal, the temerity, to have Stein in his name as if he's going to drink from a Stein with us here. A nice pint. Nevertheless, perhaps... Comedy legend David Brenner... <laughs> <laughs> David Brenner could have been a bread. He had a bit of he had the the gnarly teeth like we do over here. You ever <laughs> consider that? Anyway, perhaps we should wrap up this podcast. What do you think, uh, Nigel? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Well, I am satisfied. I I, I would like to mention um, we should be enjoying some uh, Eccles cakes and some uh, lava bread over the weekend with some skull and skink and scotch eggs. You had prepared pie. In order to educate our American friends, you had you had uh, prepared a list of fifteen most British foods. Do, do you want to? Uh, you mentioned a couple. Do you want to mention a couple more? My favorite is the toad in the hole. The Are you aware of the toad in the hole? I saw that film, but it was a long time ago. I'm a bit embarrassed to say that I watched it. But oh, you're talking about the food. I'm sorry. Oh, um, you were talking about pornography. <laughs> oh, tell me you don't fancy a little bit of that every now and again, Nigel. Well, usually I'm just a man. A I've got I've, I've got twig and berries like everyone else. Uh, what was so go on the toad a, in the hole toad of in sausages the in a Yorkshire pudding batter oh delightful yeah delightful just delightful <laughs> oh oh easy Nigel <laughs> keep it in your trousers if you know what, if you know it, it is important it is important for Americans to become familiar with what a traditional English breakfast is though do you do you know what is in an English breakfast a literal the literal English breakfast English breakfast. No, it's a not, well, of course it's I do, Nigel. It's like the greatest hits of breakfast. is bacon and sausages and eggs and toast. But mm. what really caps it off is a big, giant heap of beans <laughs> right in the middle of breakfast because we Brits do enjoy a gaseous feeling to hit our stomachs around 10.30 in the a.m., which allows us to release our gases and... Of course. Fulfill our potential as we exhale, move out with the bad, 
and go in with the good. Not sure exactly what you mean, Nigel, but uh, perhaps if you, you mean if you if you've you've had a few pints the night before, and the best thing to do is wake up straight away in the morning and and start eating those real Consume uh, the syrupy beans. beans. Agreed. Lubricate the system. I I think our American friends should know about bread and butter pudding, uh, which is a favorite of mine. Uh, what you, what in order to create this concoction, you would lay a slices of stale buttered bread. Don't use fresh bread. Uh, it will taste different. Stale buttered bread. Literally, I'm reading from the recipe. Raisins and egg custard mix. And uh, this was originated back in 1728. And it was mm. called white pot and used uh, butter or bone marrow. If you're out of butter, simply use your bone marrow as tasty as ever. Um, I could fancy some bread and butter pudding. I imagine after the game, the, the baseball match, when if there is, as is tradition in America, if uh, a, a winning player wins what they call a walk a walkthrough, is it called a walkthrough? A walk-off, perhaps a round-tripper, and then uh, arrives at home base and is showered by a bucket of bread and butter pudding. Wouldn't that be something, Nigel? That smells like victory. <laughs> Exact, exactly what I was thinking. Um, so enjoy no, your bread and butter pudding. It's a Colin Skink, though. I tell our friends. Tell our friends what that is, because oh, well, of course, it's a soup made from smoked haddock, potatoes, <laughs> and onions. Wouldn't that just be? Uh, forget that. I believe the Americans um, dump this sugary sweet breed of gator over their victorious players. A Colin Skink. Would Always. celebrate victory certainly with a much more intense flavor. <laughs> You're a man of such I'll passion, Nigel. Flavor. We'll show these Americans a thing or two, won't we? We uh, will. They'll learn. They'll learn the hard way. They'll learn. Grab your your Yorkshire pudding, your bread and butter pudding. We have lots your of flavors. Skink. We have lots of different kinds of pudding. They're all white and bland, but nevertheless, many and different kinds. Don't taste good at all. Right now. That's not the point, really, is it? I mean, if you're enjoying a steak and kidney pie, do you want to be able to say this is delicious? So do you just because want... of course, when you think of pie, steak you and think of meat. Well, like I, I can't be expected to eat a simple uh, steak pie when I can have both steak and kidneys in my meal. And kidney. And kidney. Steak and kidney. Of course. Of course. If they can brilliant. Put a it's just brilliant. Bit of just that. lovely. Are there any other intestines that we could add to that, or maybe some? Other organs that might make... Uh... You've put your finger on it, Nigel, haven't you? We use every bit of the pig or whatever creature it is. Sometimes we don't know what creature it, it, it is. It's just we simply keep taking entrails out of whatever's in front of us and make use of it. Perhaps a fallopian tube or two, just to throw it in there and see if it adds a bit more They know They know us for saying God saved the queen, but not necessarily God saved the colon. Because right you want to save, you want to save it at the end. Even the and colon the will eat it. Correct, correct. Uh, well, this has been lovely, Nigel. I hope you enjoy. I'll see wonderful. you. Are Just we, wonderful. Are we on for tea tomorrow, per usual? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. I fancy us a talk over yes. a good cuppa. Nice cup of tea. And um, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I believe it's called the There's Boston Podcast. Nobody left listening. Not at a this point. not a soul. There's no chance. We should give away something of value to anyone still listening. 
If anybody, if, do you? Uh, how should they contact you? Contact uh, me. Uh, contact my American colleague at David at Pod Six One Seven dot com. And uh, if <laughs> I would say anyone remaining, listener, what? yes, to reach this point, and email your colleague. Yes, should receive a copy of Monty Python's Holy Grail. On the Blu-ray disc, will be done. DVD of their choice. Brilliant idea, Nigel. You know what? I'll even throw in a case of spam. Do you like? Mm. Do you like spam? I do love a spam. I like spam. This morning I, I had spam, 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 bacon, eggs, and spam. Tomorrow I'm having spam, 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 sausage, and spam. I've heard this. I before. love. Sp- I love spam. We'll throw on the spam so as well. DVD and a case of spam. I mean, this is um, this is appealing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, I uh, believe thanks. you will not be paying up. <laughs> Your space um, is safe and When you've sound. done a podcast as nonsensical in this, no one can hear you scream. We could say whatever we want right now. There's oh, no dear. way. No oh, one can dear. endure pain such as this for as much time as we've put on this uh, digital bit of information so let's conclude there but there's something noble about continuing and marching on it's it's as if we've lost most of our limbs much like the soldier in uh, the night in the monty python movie that's us no no arms british way no arms no legs still carry on carrying on absolutely all right thank you for listening to the boston podcast you are a demented person if you are actually listening but god bless you and god save the queen And we'll see you next time. Cheerio. Cheerio. Cheers.